Welcome to episode seven of the City of Champions podcast. I'm Erod, and I'm joined here by my co-host Eugene. In today's episode, we discuss the Dodgers' quick trip to Seattle, Lakers' loss to the Jazz, and a look ahead to Dodgers, Padres, and Mavericks, Lakers. Episode 7 of the City of Champions podcast. Lots to talk about today, including the series that just wrapped up over in Seattle and yesterday's game against the Jazz. What are your initial thoughts, Gene? Yeah, so the series in Seattle, so we had two games. Uh, we had one yesterday and earlier today. I thought our pitching was fine. Um, you know, Dustin made a little bit of bad luck. Um, you know, a couple balls that he he left over the plate that the lefties got to. Uh, Julio Urias, our boy, dealing today. Um, so I thought the pitching was was okay um but the offense the offense has kind of gone cold and i'm starting to have some concerns in regards to a couple players but i don't know man what do you think let's take a look at game one let's let's sort of recap what happened the uh the highlights and the not so highlights good thing is seager hit a two-run bomb and it's always fun to see him uh you know hit a home run against his brother we know how they have they've got that like uh you know sibling rivalry going but, you know, like you were saying, uh, you know, the bats really went cold. Um, and we had a lot of sloppy errors, including one by Taylor that went for a run. And it's wait, wait, wait. Big... Real quick, bro. What position does Chris Taylor play? What position was he position. playing yesterday? What position was he playing yesterday when he made that error? Second base, bro. Second base. What has been my criticism about the Dodgers defense? The middle infield, bro. That's all I'm saying. The middle infield defense has been horrible. So, again, another error by the middle infield that leads to a run. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, man, again, like I said, it's sort of becoming a, a trend and not something that you want to have just because they shouldn't be making sloppy errors. It's one thing to make the occasional error, but when you're making errors on a daily basis and they're all similar errors in similar positions, then that either you know has to go down to management and sort of ring a bell of maybe not playing guys out of you know position. Uh, we just got to focus. We got to wake up when it comes on the defensive end. Um, hit me with your thoughts real quick on Dustin May, bro. What do you see? What do you like from the um, from the young kid? I, I mean. We got what we usually get, which is, you know, a dominant game. He did uh, leave those two pitches out over the plate and gave up those two bombs against left-handers. Not sure if that's a concern yet, but two home runs to lefties in the same inning, I think it was. Different innings. Was it different innings? Yeah, it was like back-to-back innings, I think. Back-to-back innings, yeah. So it was uh, giving up, you know, home runs to lefties. Leaving balls over the plate, that's 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 not good, you know, especially with uh, guys swinging for the fences nowadays. Um, you don't want to be giving up too many home runs. may not be such a big deal now, but it can be down the line when, uh, you know, we're playing in closer games or in the playoffs when we're playing in close games where the home run can just, you know, come down and kill you. Um, but, I mean, outside of that, his, his pitching was solid, you know, no, nothing really to complain about. I just want to hit on, just real quick, his stat line, man, his, his line for the day um, in that start. Five innings pitched, four runs, three earned. He had that one other run on the Chris Taylor error. Uh, one walk, eight Ks on 92 pitches. 
And as you mentioned, his uh, his runs were really the, he had that two-run home run uh, he left. And that was really just a line drive, just a screamer that barely got out. Um, but it was a, a fastball, I think a fastball or a cutter he left middle in. And the guy just turned on it. The other home run, same thing. He left a, a pitch middle in to another lefty. And he was able to get that, um, hit that out the park. But specifically uh, for me in regards to Dustin May, man, was his slider. I've been really watching the slider uh, with him because everyone knows he has the um, the sinker. Filthy movement, touches 97, can get up to 100, um, really lives in that 97 to 100 range. Then he has the cutter, which stays in like the low 90s, like 92, 93, 94 with really good movement. But I've been waiting for him to hone in that breaking pitch. And it looks like it's going to be the slider for him. And it looked really well yesterday. Um, got a lot of swings and misses with his slider and that's um, led that's what led to the eight strikeouts and so that's just encouraging I'm not gonna you know he didn't get the win we didn't get the win but not gonna dwell too much on his start I was actually very very encouraged by it yeah definitely like I said it was a dominant performance in my opinion minus those two home runs those two pitches and like you said you know the first home run was uh, almost like a line drive that went over maybe because they were playing indoors or something uh, not something that would normally uh, go over but nevertheless it's a home run it went over the fence and it, it is what it is um, he's got to clean that up maybe not leaving pitches over the plate or you know learning and that comes with experience right knowing how to pitch to guys knowing which guys take advantage of those kinds of pitches knowing uh how close and how tightly you can pitch guys so i don't fault him too much it's a team he doesn't face too much batters he doesn't see more than maybe once every few years so not really uh concerned like you said um what is concerning though is what happened in the ninth inning yesterday as you know dodgers were trying to climb a comeback um and mookie you know took a pretty nasty shot to the forearm um what were your thoughts when you saw that i mean to me it just like you could hear it on the tv and it just sounded nasty but what were your thoughts when uh when all that happened super concerned uh one because it's mookie he's very important to our team and, and a lot of what we do but also it just hit him in that it's kind of very like flush onto the bone of the forearm, right? It was his, it was his right arm. So it was his back arm. And I mean, I guess you have a little bit of, a little bit of meat there on that forearm, right? But that's, you know, that bone, you know, there's not too much protecting that bone. So my initial concern was that it would fracture the, um, that forearm bone in his right arm and he'd miss some time. But today Dave Roberts came out and said that the, they, they came out and said the x-rays were negative and they said that he felt better today after getting some treatment and they're saying he's good to go for San Diego on uh, Thursday, man. Right on. And yeah, I mean, um, I've been, you know, hit there before and uh, it is painful, right? Just because there's not that much, you know, meat between the ball and the bone. And But you're soft, bro. So you don't compare yourself to Mookie. Yeah, Duck, you don't know that. You don't know that. I get up, rub some dirt on it, run over to first, which is what Mookie did, right? And you got to give the guy respect because earlier in the game, I can't remember the guy's name, got hit in a similar uh, place and had to you know, take himself out of the game because he couldn't handle the pain. So big ups to Mookie for being able to push through all that pain and go over to first base. And it really pissed me off when Seager hit into a double play because after taking a beating like that, Mookie deserved better. He deserved to be driven in or something like a casual jog around the bases would have been nice. But Seager clearly doesn't care about him. Are you even a real friend, Corey Seager? What kind of friend are you, bro? Who lets their buddy, their teammate, who just got hit by like a 100 mile per hour fastball, just go down like that? And he had to slide, which makes it even worse. Like you're already like hobbling because your arm's like, you know, throbbing with pain. And you have to slide in a second only to, you know, end the game, really. So. You know, Corey Seager, you let me down. But luckily, you made it up in today's game where you hit a home run. The only run of the game, actually. 
Well, he didn't hit a home run today, bro. He hit a home run in the bro, first he, game today. Yeah, he had, yeah, the, yeah. The he had the RBI single. single. Right. Yep, bro. I just yeah, man. Today's game, we gotta give we gotta give some love to Julio Urias uh, in today's start, man. Um, if you guys didn't get a chance to watch his start, it was a thing of beauty. Seven innings pitched, only one hit, uh, zero earned runs, zero earned runs, uh, one walk, eleven Ks on eighty-eight pitches. Talk about efficient, man! Uh, the kid is something special, bro. The kid is something special. Tell me, uh, what did you see in his start, bro? Uh, what had you excited? And then I also want to talk a little bit about Dodgers Twitter is kind of going off a little bit about is Julio Urias the next big like big thing? He's been this high prospect since he was nineteen. Is he finally you know coming of age is he's finally reaching that point that we always thought he was going to be this great starter um perennial all-star and so first tell me your thoughts and then what do you think about that is, is this his all-star season is he going to take off this year look man i said it from the beginning of the season this guy should be talked about when it comes to future Cy Young potential maybe not this year um although if you look at his starts and you look at his one bad start uh which was last start actually he pitched well but he had bad defense that could have been a much better performance. He's already 3-0 with a 2.81 ERA. And after today's game, probably the best start of any starter this year for the Dodgers. And that's, you know, saying something because we have Bueller, we have Kershaw, we have Bauer. So even having those three guys, Julio just turned in the best start of the year, the most dominant start. And it's like you said, 88 pitches over seven innings. He didn't even give Roberts the opportunity to get to 100 pitches. And if I'm Dave Roberts, quite honestly, I leave him in there for one more just because he was that dominant. You know, we uh, had Gonzalez come in and, you know, sort of get the hold. But yeah, let's go back to the Urias uh, conversation on Twitter. So, so Julio Urias. So real quick, man, before we get into the, I mean, so you, you clearly feel that, that he should be in the Cy Young conversation. Maybe not this year, but, but coming in the near future. So hit me with this. Do you feel like all-star this year or not? Nah? Definitely all-star. So you know that means that means the Dodgers can have four all-star pitchers. Kershaw, Bauer, Bueller, Urias. Yeah, you know what? That's probably the only thing that could keep him out is that there's going to be too many Dodgers in. And you know how the, <laughs> you know they like to play politics and not hurt feelings and have everyone from, you know, at least one representative from each team. But he absolutely should. And uh, he showed why today. He's already had, you know, some very, very solid games. You know, people give... May all the love and yeah I get it May's right up there with him as a you know potential Cy Young winner he's right up there on the list of young prospects but they're both 23 they're both 23 and Julio should be getting just as much attention as as May uh, quite frankly but something that something just to, to let the listeners know man is yeah Julio is 23 but he's been up since in the big league since he was 19 and you know so he just has he has the stuff plus he has the maturity kind of a, of already a veteran because he's been in the big leagues for so long really because he's close out a game in the world series true and he just has that what they call that you know that pitch ability you know that ability to just really navigate um a lineup and and whatnot and i really saw that today from him uh the first thing i saw from him today is he was constantly ahead in the count constantly ahead oh one or ahead oh two and I was listening to the broadcast and uh, Joe Davis had mentioned that he leads the league in first pitch strike rate. I didn't know that, but that's a great thing to, to lead the league in because it means you constantly have the hitter on defense. They're always in protection mode. And 
He's today he was constantly 0-1 and constantly 0-2. And they also mentioned today on the broadcast that when he gets ahead of hitters, the hitter's batting average is somewhere around 190. But when he starts behind in the count, the hitter's average is about 500. So that's a huge discrepancy, right? So that tells me a little bit, it, it, you know, Earl Hershiser was giving a real good breakdown about this on the broadcast today. He was talking about how that kind of tells you that he's a he's a pitcher that likes to throw strikes. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you fall behind in the count, right, if you're down 1-0, most as a pitcher, what are you going to throw to get back into the count? You're more than likely going to go to the fastball, right? And so that means hitters probably know that's coming and they're sitting on the fastball. So for him, it's very important that he continues to throw that slurve for strikes and he continues to throw the change up for strikes. And so, um, but I just, man, he was amazing today. He was great. Super efficient, as you mentioned. Overall, great start. And I just, I'd love to see, I'd love to see more of this. And in regards to if I feel he's going to be an all-star or if I feel he'll be like in the Cy Young race, not this year, even this year and just moving forward. My answer is I need to see a full season of him as a starter. And I was saying that today on Twitter. I was going up back and forth with some people on Twitter today. And I was just letting them know, like, people were like, oh, he's not getting enough uh, recognition. He's not being talked enough about it as a a perennial all-star. And I was just letting people on Twitter know, we haven't seen him pitch an entire season, handle a full starter's workload, handle 200 innings, handle 180 innings in a full season yet. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like I said, you know, Dustin May gets that kind of attention and he hasn't pitched a full season either. Um and it doesn't see, make I don't sense. Feel, it doesn't make sense. I don't feel, but see, I don't feel like Dustin, I feel like people are more excited about Julio than they are about Dustin May. I think people are, mo- I think people are excited about Dustin May because come on, man, the dude, the dude throws 97 to 100 and he's developing this nasty slider. You know, he, I think he though he has the fastest like uh, pitch average as far as like velocity of any starter, maybe behind DeGrom, but he's right up there. And so that's exciting, right? I mean, anytime you see a dude, a dude throwing gas, it's exciting. But I will say, I feel like Dodgers Twitter is very behind Julio Udias, especially after what he did last year in the playoffs, man. So I feel like they both get equal love, dog. It's like they're, they're your kid, man. You love them both in different ways, you know? All right. The offense was whatever, bro, in this game, you know? AJ Pollock gets a double, Rios grounds out, Barnes walks, Taylor gets robbed of a screaming, a screamer up the middle, a great play, a great play by the second baseman, Seager with an RBI single, then Turner uh, gets Cade looking. That's the offense today, the third inning. That's all of it. Let's go to the ninth inning, bro. What happened in Kenley. the ninth? Kenley Jansen comes in for the save. Who is Kenley Jansen? Bro, who is Kenley Jansen, dog? Because today's Kenley Jansen is a different Kenley Jansen than, I, than we've seen in a long time, bro. 97. My dude was out there throwing 97. And the 97 was like, cool. That was like, whoa. My dude is really reaching back for a little, little, little extra tick up in the speed. What I liked about that was he threw 97 in the dirt. Hershiser was in the background saying like, oh, well, you know, it's in the dirt. Kind of like, it doesn't count. You know, yeah, not in a bad way, but just, you know, and he was also kind of just like saying, oh, it's in the dirt and also kind of like, we're not sure if that's accurate. Yeah, exactly. You know, there was doubt, right? He hit the dirt. You don't know if it's accurate. Who knows? So he comes back and he throws 97 again, right down the pipe. Yeah, man. And, and honestly, I don't even know if the 97 is what I'm most hyped about. Like that was great. I was hyped on the movement he had on the cutter. That one he threw to Lewis to strike him out. That 95 that started on the outer third of the plate and then cut about, I don't know, man, six to eight inches off the plate. That was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was insane. That was a great pitch by Kenley Jansen. And check this out, bro. Um, I was on Twitter earlier and there was, um, and, and so I retweeted Pitching Ninja's um, 
replay of that pitch and I retweeted it and then someone had commented on Pitching Ninja's post and said he's taking steroids. This fucker was like he's taking steroids. He said quote I'm a Dodger fan. Kenley was throwing 89 to 91 this year and last year. He's never thrown 95 in his life. He's taking steroids. I was like how long have you been watching the Dodgers for bro? Because any Dodger fan knows when Kenley first came up he was throwing gas. And then so the pitching ninja commented on that on that guy, replied to that guy, and posted uh, a replay of something pitching ninja had posted years ago when Kenley threw a nasty 95 mile power uh, cutter. And so I was just I don't know that that caught me off guard. It was a little bit surprising. Um, I get hating on Jansen, but I would never accuse the dude of taking steroids, especially if you're a Dodger fan. And uh, if you're a Dodger fan and you don't know that Kenley used to be a beast, that he was an animal, that he was the best closer in the game for a while, you need to uh, you need to check your facts. Tripper, man, you just gotta ignore those people because especially if they start off with "I'm a Dodger fan," but they're probably Angels fans or like the Clippers or something. <laughs> I feel like I do that often. I'm you're often because you you know me, bro. I'm a little bit of a I'm a little bit of a realist. Some people will say I'm a pessimist. I just say I'm a realist. You're more of a homer. I'm a realist. So we balance each other out. All right. So enough about Kenley Jansen, bro. He was great. We're hyped on him. Let's uh, to, to go from something super exciting to a little bit more of a down topic. Let's talk about the offense this series. All right. So for the um, the Seattle series, we hit. So it's just two games, but we hit seven for 59. That's a one. That's a 118 batting average. We had four runs. Nine walks, 16 Ks, three for 16 with runners in scoring position, which is a 187 average. And so then I asked myself, I said, Gene, why is the offense struggling so much? Why is it that our offense went to San Diego and took a damn vacation and haven't come back from vacation out there in Seattle? And so then I was curious. I was like, is our offensive data maybe inflated by the fact that we haven't played great teams just yet? I was like, well, let me look into the numbers a little bit. So we went into San Diego and these are the Padres numbers as far as pitching. The Padres staff is first in team team ERA. They're first in Ks. They're first in whip. They're second in batting average. So that's safe to say that the, the Padres, based on the stats, have the best pitching staff in baseball. So it makes sense that we go in there, we get kind of shut down right? Tough, uh, tough pitching staff. So then we go to Seattle. When it comes to ERA, Seattle's kind of the middle of the pack with everything. They're 13th in ERA, they're 15th in Ks, they're 12th in whip, and then they're 7th in opponent batting average. But then I looked at the pitching data for the Nationals, the Rockies, because we played the Nationals, the Rockies, and the Athletics. And all of them are in the bottom third for all the pitching, um, the team pitching uh, stats. So Early on, you know, it's still early part of the season, but I feel like it's safe to say that our offense kind of got their numbers inflated a bit by facing weaker pitching. And now we've run into tougher pitching. The Padres, for sure, way tougher pitching in the Mariners, about average, I'd say. And the offense is kind of stalled. That combined with the fact that we don't have Cody Bellinger anymore because he's been out on the IL. And so that kind of changes the offense a bit. So what are your thoughts on that, man? What are your thoughts with, on, on the offense going cold? I mean, it happens, right? If you're talking about statistics, there's always a regression to the mean, right? Numbers always go back towards the average. So if a guy hits 500 one month, he's going to hit 200 the next month and end up with like a three-something, you know, batting average. 350, bro. I got you. Don't trip. I got you on the map. 350. Well, it depends on the amount of at-bats. But hey, anyway. no, 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 bro. You said 500 plus 200. That's 700 divided by two. That's 350, dog. I know how to yeah, do that. Don't play you, me. You, you can't add averages like that. <laughs> Fine, bro. Why are you playing me on here, dog? Come on. I was just trying um, to sound smart. Anyway, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it happens, right? You, you're hot and then you're cold. And it's, it's almost like when the Lakers were playing in the uh, playoffs last year and they were beaten in game one of like each of the series, I think. But I was never concerned. Why? Because in each of those game ones, each of those teams performed way above their average, just had to play a crazy game above what they normally play to be able to beat the Lakers. Meaning that in the following games, for all the numbers to sort of even out to their average, they were going to have some really bad games. And that's exactly what happened. In baseball, you have some really good games against some really easy teams and you hit some hard, you know, uh, games against some really good pitching staffs. And that's how the, uh, you know, numbers sort of even out. So I'm not worried by any means. It's sort of just like the, you know, the flow of the game and how uh, numbers work. So, okay. So you're not, you're not worried about the overall team offense. And that makes sense. But let, let me, I, I pulled some individual player numbers and I just want you to, you tell me, are you concerned? Are you tripping or not? All right. So I'm going to go through a couple players because I was just, I, I, you know, the last time on the pod, we were super excited about the Dodgers offense and we were like throwing out all these people batting above 300, batting above 300, this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy. As of today, after the Seattle series, we have one guy batting above 300 and that's Justin Turner. He's hitting like 388. Everyone else is below. So I think maybe Muncie, he might be like high 290s or low 300s. He might be the other one. All right, here you go. AJ Pollock, bro. 220 batting average, 364 on base percentage, 544 OPS. Are you concerned about him moving forward or not? I think he was probably one of the worst signings um, the Dodgers have made in recent years. There's worse, but he's up there. I'm not surprised. Am I worried? I'm not surprised. So anything that he does... Above that is going to be above sort of my expectation. I hear you. So I pull. I know you're an AJ Pollockator, Doug. I know you're an AJ Pollockator. So I pulled some of his stats. So since he's been with the Dodgers, he's played in 156 games. He has a 26, uh, 264 batting average, 31 home runs, 81 RBIs. If I told you AJ Pollock is going to finish this year with 31 home runs and 80 RBIs, you'd be happy, right? I'd be happy, yeah, without a doubt. So, I mean, we give AJ Pollock shit, but... He hasn't been too bad for the Dodgers, but he's struggling to start this year. That's the thing, though. He gets injured, and that's his biggest, you know, weakness. And you're right. He's he does played 154 injured. games over two seasons, albeit one was a short season. It's not great. So I'll be happy if he plays in all the games and then puts up decent numbers. But if he's just going to continue to get injured like he always does, and you know, it just confirms my doubts. I hear you. You're right on that point. All right, Chris Taylor, 222 average, 373 on base percentage. 818 OPS. Are you concerned about Chris Taylor or not? Not so much. Uh, Taylor is always sort of a guy who either strikes out or gets walked. Not very many hits in between. He's always sort of been a low average hitter. Um, and I mean, his on-base percentage is what, 381? Or was it you said? Right now, as of today, his on-base percentage is 373. Yeah, so that's pretty high given his 235 batting average, um, which tells me that he's walking a lot. And it's, it's exactly what Chris Taylor does. He either walks or strikes out. So I'm not concerned about him. He's sort of, you know, a rotation player, not really a regular day, everyday starter that you expect big numbers out of. So, I mean, not, not concerned at all. Yeah, I hear you on that. I agree. I think Chris Taylor, like you said, he's kind of a lower average, um, normally like in the 260, 270 range, but he gets on base and he hits for power, you know, with his frame or whatnot. So I think he'll, he'll figure it out. I'm not too worried about him. All right. Will Smith, bro, 195 batting average. 370 on base percentage, 70, 785 OPS. Are you concerned about Will Smith or not? Not concerned about 
Will as much as I am about his playing time. I think his struggles really come down to the lack of playing time and him not able to sort of swing through the slump. You know, he might have a bad day and then the next day he gets the day off because Barnes comes in and pitches. And that's not my my philosophy. My philosophy is always like, you know, Kobe Bryant, take a shot, you miss it, take another shot. That's how you, you know, break out of things. So am I concerned? Not really, but I do wish he'd get more playing time to get those numbers back up. I think they will go up. I hear you on that. Um, I like to see that Will Smith is still has a pretty decent on-base percentage, 370. Um, and he just gets very unlucky, bro, because it seems like every time he makes contact, it's pretty hard contact. So I think his average will end up being like in the 250, 260 range. He'll be pushing like 20 to 30 home runs and a solid on-base percentage. All right, what about this dude, bro? I was kind of uh, hyped on this guy coming into this season. I thought he would be very uh, productive for us off the bench. Um, Edwin Rios, 129 batting average, 289 on-base percentage. 515 OPS. What do you think about him? What do I think about him? I mean, I, I haven't seen enough from the guy to have any sort of expectations about him. He had limited time the past few years. Last year, playing only 32 games and the year before playing in, you know, in a few games. So I just don't know what to expect from him to say whether or not I'm disappointed. I just think he needs more playing time. He needs more continuity, regularity, and we'll see. We'll see what he does. I can't be disappointed in the guy because he hasn't sort of set expectations. It's just one of those things where you hope he does better. I hear you, man. But my frustration with Edwin Rios getting so much playing time is we have Matt Beatty, and we've seen more from Matt Beatty. We've seen more at bats from Matt Beatty on the major league roster than we have of Edwin Rios, and I just. I don't know if Edwin Reels is not hitting the ball because he's a power hitter, bro. He's never going to hit for average. He's a power hitter. And if he's not hitting for power, he's for sure not going to hit for average. We can see that by the 129 batting average. I just don't understand why we don't give Matt Beatty more reps. That's just one of my like questions is what is going on with Matt Beatty? Why is he not getting reps? It seems like even Luke Rayleigh is getting reps over him and getting more at-bats than Matt Beatty. So I don't know what happened there. Like, what happened for Matt Beatty to fall out of Doc's good graces and the great good graces of the front office that he's just not... He's really our last person on the bench. I feel like even Sheldon Noisy is going to get more playing time than him. But, all right, so we're not really concerned about the offense. Um, we we kind of both feel like with time, people will find their groove. So let's close off this this Dodger segment, bro. Let's go to the... um Our next series is a nice four-game homestand against the San Diego Padres. So we just faced them. Epic series. We took the series 2-1 and now we got them for four games. And the rotation and pitching um, pitching matchups lines up exactly kind of like what we saw down. It's exactly the same. We'll start off with Weathers versus Bueller again. Darvish versus Kershaw again. Snell versus Bauer again. And then I told you, bro, we're going to see Joe Musgrove and we are the fourth game Sunday afternoon. Joe Musgrove against the kid Julio Urias. So, just hit me with your prediction, bro. That's all I want. My prediction is three to one Dodgers. And if I were to pick a game that they might lose, I'd have to go with, man, I don't even know if they can lose a game, to be honest. I'm looking at this like the bullpen and it's just crazy. Um, I don't know. I mean, for them to lose, it's going to take a lot from the Padres. It's going to take really great performances from, you know, the Padres pitching staff. And it's just, it's hard, right? Because you think about our pitching staff, one through four, one through five, and we're stacked. We've got aces. I mean, any of these guys could be an ace on a given team. And then you look at their staff and it's also really good, but not quite as great. And you think, oh, well, you know, they'll have a 
decent game. They'll pitch well, get their strikeouts. But then you think about our, you know, lineup and who they have to get through. And it just seems like a lot. It just seems like the Dodgers are that good. Like we're leagues above anyone else, even the Padres. It's, it's, we're so good. It's not even funny. And I'm not even trying to be, you know, cocky. It's, it's just hard to imagine the Padres taking more than one game from Bueller, Kershaw, Bauer, Udias even with what they have. So my prediction is 3-1, and I just sort of give them that sympathy win, but I cannot see them winning more than that. I hear you, bro. So my prediction's a little bit different. I think we're going to lose this series 3-1. to And the reason I think we're going to lose this series 3-1 to is I think Joe Musgrove for sure gets a win. I think Darvish gets a win. And I'm going to go with um, Snell getting a win. I think we beat Weathers. And I'm just, um, I don't know, man. Mookie Betts being a little bit banged up. Uh, Cody Bellinger still on the IL. I just feel like our offense is kind of struggling right now. And the last thing you want to do when your offense is struggling is go, is go play against the number one pitching staff in baseball. And that's what we have for four games. So I'm going to go Dodgers lose the series 3-1. to one. Uh, Dodgers Twitter it jumps off a cliff. And um, people start going off on Dave Roberts about some decisions or something. And people start going, coming for Dodgers heads. Because they're just so mad that we lose to the Padres. And the Padres raise a banner and have a parade. Man. All right. Let's just, let's not forget that the Padres split two of Pittsburgh. They've played Texas. They've played the Giants. And they've played Arizona. And they lost two out of three against the Giants. So let's not forget. They lost two out of three to us and got lucky to even, you know, get that last win. So... Before you, you know, call them the best pitching staff in baseball, that's just the numbers. They've had a few good games. The Dodgers are better, and we're going to smash them. It's going to be 3-1. to one. It's going to feel good. And it's going to feel good when Machado gets angry at someone or something and then throws, like, a bat and gets kicked out. I'm going to laugh. Hey, we'll, we'll see, bro. We'll just, we'll just have to wait and see, man. We'll, we'll record Sunday. We'll record Sunday night after the 4 o'clock game. Yes, it should be good. But anyway... That's enough about the Dodgers. Now it's on to the Lakers. All right, City of Champions podcast listeners. It is now time to talk about your Los Angeles Lakers. And so last time we recorded, uh, we discussed the first uh, game against the Utah Jazz at home where we got the win. And then we played the Utah Jazz again yesterday, Monday night at home. But this time, Derek Favors, Mike Conley, and Rudy Gobert were back in the lineup. And the game wasn't so pretty for us. Uh, we did lose 111-97. to uh, It looked for a while there like we'd be able to stay in the game. Uh, first quarter was pretty close. Uh, both teams came, shooting, came out shooting hot. Um, offense started well. Uh, struggled a little bit at times in the first quarter. Really, we're kind of struggling to get to the rim. Um, but we shot well, but Utah just shot better. They shot 60% from the field. Uh, second quarter, Utah continues to shoot well. Um, you know, at a point, they were 55% from the field and 40% from the three-point line. Uh, they played better defense that quarter, um, or we played better defense that quarter, um, but we still only scored 19 points in the second quarter, and so our offense started to struggle. Um, and then we get to the second half, and at that point, Utah just, Utah just, Utah just, uh, they pull away. Uh, at one point, I, I looked at the the uh, the numbers, the stats, and they were shooting 62% from the field and 55% from the three-point line. Um, they really went on a run in the third quarter with their three-point shooting. They pushed the lead to the mid-20s, 
And, and that's kind of it. We made a little run in the fourth quarter, but that didn't really make a difference. And eventually, uh, Vogel just waved the white flag and put the bench in around the five minute mark and just called it a wrap. But Edgar, you know, that's kind of my summary of the game. Tell me something that you saw, man. Hit me with a positive because this game didn't have too many positives. Hit me with a positive. I mean, the only positive, the only bright light is THT, obviously, right? Had a great game. The kid just, man, he can shoot the three. He can drive. He can finish. He can play defense. I hope he, I hope we keep him. I hope we keep him because he's just such a talent and he's sort of like, you know, if we were maybe five years in time, he'd be the kind of guy that's going to take over a game. And I'm happy to see that, right? It's sort of like that mom mentality, just like be a killer out there. Um, sees the, uh, sees the moment and he does that really well. And so that's the bright spot. The not so bright spot. And the thing that I've been really critical of Schroeder about is just his inability to really take over games. He had 11 shots and he shot well, 6 of 11, 15 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists. But he took 11 shots. If you're the kind of guy that wants to get paid big money, when the other two best players are out, you better take control of the game. And that means taking 20 shots at minimum because the team needs it. And he didn't do that. Six of 11 shots. Like, if you're going to anchor the offense, if you're going to be that guy, take more shots. Be more aggressive. Now, I don't know if he's tired. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why he wasn't as aggressive as he has been previous games. But that really bothered me. You know, with Drummond, who also had a really poor game, it's understandable because he's going up against a good no, interior. No, 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 hell no, it no, is. bro. He's out of shape. No, he's not. No, no, he has, no, 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 no. I will he had not a bad game. You. Yes, bro. That. Just say Drummond. Just get on his head. Why are you? You're, you're on. You're on Schroeder, who had a way better game than Drummond, and now you're gonna let Drummond off. Oh, he had yeah, because a bad game. Schroeder, the expectations Drummond are up. The against, expectations Drummond are up. Was playing against Rudy, you Gobert. expect him to rise to the level, and he didn't. Drummond bro, is sort of like that. Look, Drummond. No, Drummond is still a wild card. Like he's coming back. He's still not in shape. He's still sort of like trying to learn the offense, the defense, the team. Schroeder is the man. No, stop that. Schroeder is the man. No, 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 no. Stop that bullshit. Because on the last pod, bro, on the last pod, you were like, Andre Drummond, we got this dude on the buyout market. I can't believe it. He's yeah, we know what he can shape. bring. We know what he's he can bring. He's in shape. I told you all, just wait till he gets in shape. I told y'all, just wait till he finds his rhythm. Andre Drummond. And that was a game where we played against the backups for the Utah Jazz. Now, Rudy Gobert, going to be a finalist like every year for Defensive the Player of the Year, comes in and Drummond can't do shit, bro. Three for 12, eight points, eight rebounds, four assists, five fouls. Yeah, so, so I don't wanna, there's a reason why he did bad. Top. There's a reason why he did bad. That was my that was the whole thing when I started. With Drummond, bro. it's more understandable. He had a bad game. He went up against the best you know defender in the NBA. He went against a good team and you know he's still not in full shape he's still we know what he could do based on last game how, but how was he how was he in full shape last he's game more he's not in full shape? If, I, if i were to ask you who's more likely to have an off game drummond or schroeder you would say drummond because of the situation schroeder is a guy who it's not about schroeder the is a guy I, it is about the situation it absolutely no, it's is not about it, the situation. context matters I'd say no 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 it's not about the situation for me with andre drummond i watched the game i watched every possession and this is something I was critical about Andre Drummond before the Lakers signed him. And I told you about this. And you're like, nah, don't read too much into the data. Don't read into the analytics. Yada, yada, yada. Watch the film. Watch the game. I've been watching Drummond, bro. He sucks. 
at finishing at the rim. I saw multiple possessions where he bumped Rudy Gobert off his spot and he couldn't finish a layup or he wouldn't just go up and dunk it. Or I see multiple times they give him the ball in the post and he forces a bad shot from a bad angle, man. And that's what happened this game. That's why he finished 3 for 12. How are you going to be a big man shooting two, three feet from the rim and shoot 3 for 12, 25%? The fuck? I could do that, bro. I mean, I probably couldn't, honestly. But you know what I mean? It's how I just, nah, man. It's just frustrating. And and I, I've come to this conclusion in regards to Andre Drummond. I'm ready just to see him play alongside Braun and AD. Because you know what's going to happen when Braun and AD come back? Andre Drummond gets no more post-ups. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the post-ups, man. I just, he has no post moves. He just tries to bully his way all the time. And even then, when he gets position, when he bullies people out of the way, he forces up bad shots, he gets blocked, or he just can't finish. And it's just frustrating because he's so big and he's so athletic and he has all this potential. But I don't know. That's, I mean, and I get it. You're right. He's going up against Rudy Gobert. But you want to know who gives Rudy Gobert the work every game? Anthony Davis gives Rudy Gobert the work every game. Different Who else leagues. gives him the work, bro? Who else gives him the work? Joel Embiid gives him the work. Different Who else? Leagues. Jokic. I get different leagues, bro. I get you. But what I'm trying to say is, is yeah, Gobert's a cool defensive center, man. But the good offensive big men in the game give him the work. And so... You're talking about Jokic, the potential MVP. You're talking about yeah, Anthony yeah, Davis. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm you're talking, talking about, about like three elite top, players. I'm talking man. about three top five, seven players in the game. You're right. You're right. And I shouldn't compare Drummond to them. That's not fair. But I would just, just from watching the game, I would just like him to be able to finish at the rim better. I'd like him to be able to finish through contact. Um, I knew he would struggle once Gobert was in the game. And I really wanted to see that matchup. I was like, all right, now's Drummond's chance to really show us like what he has. And what he has is not a lot against elite defensive uh, big men. But we've kind of seen this with Drummond, bro. With the Lakers, it's been a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's been a little bit of dominance against the um, the Jazz without Gobert, against the Nets. So we've had these like really good Drummond games. And then we've had these Drummond games where we're like, man, he just looks really, really bad against the Knicks, elite defensive coach, against the Jazz an elite defensive team with an elite defensive center. So that's enough about Andre Drummond, man. I don't want to dwell on him too much, but I, I am just ready for Braun and AD to come back so he could get put into his regular spot in the pecking order of the offense, which is finish offensive rebounds and finish uh dump downs and finish off, you know, finish from that dunker spot. Let Braun, AD, and Schroeder drive to the rim and drop it off to you and you just dunk the damn ball. That's all you need to do. Dunk it and go grab some rebounds and play some defense. Yeah, still doesn't change everything about Schroeder, man. He's got to step up. If he wants to, if he wants the big boy money, he better play, you know, big boy games. I hear you, bro. He should have taken more shots. He should be more aggressive. But also, there's a couple things we have to acknowledge, right? Like you said, Rudy Gobert is a great defensive center, one of the top defensive defensive centers in the game, and a big part of uh, Dennis Schroeder's game is getting to the rim, right? You ain't getting to the rim against you ain't getting to the rim against Rudy Gobert and the Jazz defense. That's what they want you to do. So you're not going to do that. So, I mean, it takes away a big part of um, Dennis Schroeder's game. So, but I, I hear you, bro. I do want to see him be a little bit more aggressive. But this also just kind of shows the limitations to what he could bring. This is why I'm not paying him more than $20 million in a year, bro. Because there's huge limitations into his game. That's my thing. He's got to learn how to drive against big men. And if even if you get blocked, pick up that foul, right? 
Euro step, move to the side. He's quick enough. Get that foul against a big man, against a guy like Rudy Gobert. But don't just completely stop driving because he's big. Like that, that doesn't make sense to me. That makes me angry. That's not the Laker way. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. And if you have a bad game, at least you're aggressive, but not passive. That that's what kills me. Anyway. Well, I mean, let's hit, let, let me let me hit some positives also. So you you shouted out THT. Another positive, uh, KCP hitting another five three-pointers. Happy to see him get going. Another positive, Kuzma uh, finishing 8 for 13 with 17 points. Just a very efficient game from him. And we also shot 43% from the three-point line. So those are all good things, even though we took the L, man. But let's move on to the standings in the upcoming games. As of now, we are two and a half games behind Denver for the fourth spot. And Denver has, I looked at their upcoming schedule, very winnable games the next six for them. So they are they they should probably get they're gonna probably get going um on a roll right now. They've already won three in a row. They're currently eight and two in their last ten, and I, I foresee them doing well in their next six. We're two games ahead of Portland, who's in the sixth spot, and they have a very tough next seven games a very difficult schedule coming up so there's a chance portland could drop down into that seven seed uh, and they're only four and six in their last 10 so our next uh two games we're doing the uh little mini series in dallas we're playing dallas thursday and saturday there's a chance that ad plays we don't know man they keep saying maybe maybe we don't know but there's a chance ad might play even if he comes back he'll be on a minutes restriction uh, we are currently four games ahead of dallas who's in the seven spot They've recently lost two games in a row, and they've um, out of their last ten, they're five and five. So these are important games, man, because if we lose both to Dallas, they're only two games behind us. They more than likely will start catching Portland in that six seed, and that really starts to put some pressure because nobody wants to be in that seven and eight seed, man. So um, these games in Dallas are important. So hit me with your predictions, bro. Predictions. Oh boy, this is gonna be a tough one because Dallas, again, like you said, they're fighting for their survival. They don't want to fall any further than they already are, and they, you know, ideally want to climb out of that uh, seventh hole. So you know they're gonna come out strong, but they do. There's are they still playing without Porzingis, or is he playing injured? No, nah, no, nah, I'm pretty sure Porzingis is back. I saw him play the other day. Yeah, so he's playing hobbled. He can't put a you know a lot of games together. Nevertheless, it is Porzingis, and he is a very dynamic player. Honestly, I think. We split one-to-one, just like we did with the Jazz. Luka, again, he's going to have his big game. So it really comes down to Porzingis, right? Can he be healthy? Can he stay healthy and put up good minutes? Or is he sort of going to be in and out of the lineup? And then is Anthony Davis going to be back and playing well with those minutes that he's allotted? Um, So a lot of questions. It's really tough to give a solid prediction. But I do think just in the spirit of the Lakers defense and effort and how much they really wanted even the second unit, I think we split one-to-one. Yeah, man, I hear you. So just looking at the last game they played, I believe on Sunday, uh, Perzingis finished with nine points, shot three of 14, one of seven from the three-point line. But uh, Doncic balled, Finney Smith balled, and uh, Jalen Brunson balled. So um, I think we go 0-2. I think we're going to drop both. It's what we've shown, man, without... um, without Braun and AD. It seems like the only teams we're beating are teams with players out, teams with players injured, or lower level opponents. Like when you think about it, we've lost to New- we lost to the Knicks. We lost to the Jazz when they played their starters. We've beat the teams who are injured or sitting starters or something like that, right? Uh, we beat like the Raptors uh, when, you know, they didn't have Lowry and didn't have Van Fleet. We lost to the Heat. We beat the Nets, but Harden didn't play. Then Kyrie was ejected. And, you know, Durant was on a minutes restriction. We lost to the Knicks. We beat the Hornets, but they didn't have Hayward, LaMelo, or Rozier, or Washington. We lost. We got smashed by the uh, the Celtics, even though the score doesn't show that. We beat the Jazz, but they had out 
uh, Gobert, Conley favors. And when the Jazz play their players, we got smashed. So I foresee as if Dallas plays their full roster, everyone's good to go. I think we lose both. And I think we find ourselves in a very interesting situation then. Because if we lose both and Portland wins their next two, now Portland is tied with us and Dallas is only two games behind us. And so now there's a really a kind of a, uh, just like a traffic jam right there for the five, six, seven seed. And so, man, we need Brown and AD back, man. <laughs> they need to, uh, I know people keep saying seeding doesn't matter and seeding doesn't matter, but I'll tell you this, man, it matters enough. It, it, it matters enough that you don't want to play in that play in tournament. So, but we'll see, man. We'll see if, if the Lakers can come out tough. Um, we'll see, can, you know, can Drummond take advantage of Porzingis on, in the middle? You know, that, that'd be interesting to see, man. Cause I do think that's a game Drummond can take advantage of, of the middle of that, uh, of that Dallas defense. Um, we'll also see, uh, who's going to slow down, uh, Luka Doncic. No one's going to stop him. I mean, we're not going to stop him, bro, but if he goes off, that's an L for us. So we need someone. I mean, not necessarily, not necessarily. You just have to stop everyone else. True, true, true. But Doncic tends to go off and carry the, his team to victory, man. But yeah, we'll see. Dallas doesn't, I mean, Dallas plays, uh, Powell and Willie Collie Stein at the center and they play, um, Porzingis at the center. So they do lack some, some physicality in the middle. And so I do think this is a game Drummond should be able to go off. We'll see how Rick Carlisle kind of, um, works his defense, but. It'll be an interesting matchup. It should be uh, two intense games at least. At the very least, it'll be tense and tense games and good intensity and good competition. All righty. Well, that'll do it for this episode. You know, those are your updates on the Dodgers and your Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, we will be back recording Sunday after the Dodgers Padres series. And, you know, then we'll cover the four game series against the Padres. And we will cover the uh, Lakers two games against the Dallas Mavericks and get you all caught up. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate the support. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at underscore city of champs. Uh, subscribe to the, the podcast either on Apple Pod or Spotify. And if you're on Apple Pod, leave us a review. Show us some love. Let us know what you think. Uh, and make sure you engage with us on Twitter. We're always looking for feedback from our fans and get some interaction. And be on the lookout, man. We got some uh, some merch dropping soon. The homie Edgar here is putting together some great stuff. So be on the lookout. We'll be posting that on Twitter uh, coming soon. Uh, We appreciate all the love and support, y'all. Peace.